OWU is special to me because I get to work with students every day and see their passion and um, their energy more than anything it keeps us young. <laughs> keeps I feel like it keeps me young. So um, seeing their energy and working with them and so it just feels more of a home to me now more than ever working here and being here. What I appreciate about Ohio Westland is, you know, we're dealing with parents, yes. We're also dealing with the students, any type of financial aid questions um, that we have. We also have students that work in the financial aid office, which I really do appreciate too, because then I can talk to them about their experience and, and things like that. And I stay in contact with our students as they graduate and see where they've, where they're gone and, you know, what kind of career paths that they've taken. Welcome to Bishop Banter, your guide to OWU. Here are your hosts, Ohio Wesleyan alumni, Courtney Dunn and Connor Green. Welcome back to Bishop Banter, your guide to OWU. I'm Connor. And I'm Courtney. And today we're going to be talking about financial aid and the role that it plays in the college process. And I know a lot of families come in and they're, they don't know a lot about financial aid. They have a lot of questions. And so today we really want to debunk some of those myths and really dive deeper into the financial aid process and help families get some of those questions answered. Connor, I would love to hear some of your insight on why is this important to talk about and how can we help families further? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that it's just such a big topic for families. I mean, just the words financial aid can mean so many different things to so many different people. Um, and, and a lot of it can be a little bit overwhelming when you're going through that process, especially for the first time or, you know, if it's your fourth time doing it, it, it can be really overwhelming. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, breaking down what specific terms mean or what the policies are and just ways to make it a little bit easier for everyone who does it. Cause most people who are going to college are probably going to end up filing the FAFSA at some point. Um, and, and it's a, it takes a few times to get through it. Um, but the nice thing is that especially here at OWU, we have some amazing people who are there to help to guide and to answer any questions and all questions that families and students have. I love that. Um, so I'm excited to talk with Kevin Paskin and Amy Capel today who are going to banter with us about financial aid. Welcome back to another episode of Bishop Banter. Um, we are bantering with uh, two of our financial aid staff today, uh, Kevin and Amy. Could you both please introduce yourselves for everybody listening? Sure. My name's Amy Capel. I'm in the financial aid office. I'm the associate director of admission and financial aid. Hi, I'm Kevin Passfan, director of financial aid. I've been here oh, about six years and um, I support the financial aid team. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and, and thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Um, so today we really wanted to bring in just to talk about this thing that's called financial aid that um, all students experience when they go to college, no matter what college they go to, no matter you know where it is, what it is, they're going to experience financial aid. And a lot of it is daunting and big and not hugely understandable for people who haven't gone through it. So what we want to do is be able to talk through and break down some of those bigger concepts for people. Um, and so the, the first thing we'd just like to hear is, you know, what is financial aid? What is this concept of it? And how does it help students? I'll go with that one first. 
So um, <clears throat> financial aid is really consists of need-based and non-need-based financial aid, all right? So in order to qualify for need-based financial aid, you have to complete the FAFSA application or free application for federal student aid. You do that, and what that's going to do, it's going to generate a number, which is called the expected family contribution, okay? The more income that you make, the higher your expected family contribution is going to be. And um, the more, okay, so the higher your expected family contribution, the less financial aid that you're going to have in your financial aid package, right? Um, if you complete the FAFSA and the expected family contribution is higher than our cost of attendance, you wouldn't qualify for any need-based financial aid. However, you could qualify for merit scholarships. That's the other component. So if you don't feel like you're going to um, be eligible for need-based financial aid, you don't necessarily have to do the FAFSA here at Ohio Westland. Um, you could just complete your common application, send in your test scores, and the admissions department will um, uh, award you a merit scholarship based on that information. However, if you complete your FAFSA and you do qualify for need-based financial aid, that's going to consist of your merit scholarship, your Ohio Westland need-based grant, potentially federal and state grants, student loans, and work-study. And that's really financial aid. Also, external scholarships would be a part of that as well. So if you apply for outside scholarships, those also could be part of your financial aid package. Right. Can you think of any other? No, I would just say a lot of our students who are awarded work-study work on campus and statistics show a lot of students who do take advantage of federal work-study are um, highly successful because it helps them manage their time and budget their studies and um, stay organized. So we like to encourage students who are awarded work-study to work on campus. Mm -hmm. Yep. Work study is one part of the components, but that's pretty much it for financial aid need based and non need based financial aid. Mm -hmm. Right. Really, two different categories there. And, and with those different categories, I mean, it sounds like there's lots of options. Right. In terms of, you mentioned, you know, all these federal grants, federal uh, aid that they can get, as well as merit aid from the university. Um, but those federal aids, you mentioned it briefly with the FAFSA. You have to file that to get those. Correct. Um, and one thing that we often hear is we say the word FAFSA and people groan or they go, ugh. Um, but it, it is something that's built in to help students. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, why file the FAFSA, um, what it can do, and just some components of it that make it a little bit easier than maybe it used to be 10 years ago? Yeah, the FAFSA each year gets it easier and easier online. That's one of the federal governments, um, you know, they tout that they're trying to make it easier and easier each year. In fact, a few years ago, they incorporated a um, IRS data retrieval tool so parents can, you know, and students can select a button for all of their income data and have it automatically go out to the IRS website and populate all of their financials so they don't have to plug them all in one by one. So that's one thing that's made the FAFSA a lot simpler. Um, and students do need to file it each year. So once they do it their freshman year, a lot of their demographics and things are carried over from year to year, so that makes it easier. So as you're talking about filing the FAFSA every year, do the students are awarded a specific package every year, and sometimes that changes from year to year if family income is changing or things like that. Can you talk a little bit about what students can do when that changes or what that looks like or when it an example of when it would change. An example of when a 
expected family contribution that could swing dramatically is say if a student comes in and they have two in college, um, the, the FAFSA looks at that information and it will calculate the EFC based on two in college. If one, say, graduates from college, now it's only looking at one. So it's going to increase that expected family contribution. So with two in college, it slices that EFC in half, right? So, you know, maybe, you know, the EFC would be like, say, $20,000 one year. Next year, it could be $10,000 or vice versa, depending on the particular situation. I don't know if that was yeah. a good explanation. No, just while you're talking about the EFC and the expected family contribution, I wanted to circle back to what I wanted to say about the FAFSA was a lot of families don't like to fill it out because they think, you know, we're a dual-income family. We're not going to get any federal aid. So why would we fill it out? Because we're not needy. What I wanted to say was we offer an Ohio Wesleyan grant here that is quote-unquote need-based. So they need to fill out the FAFSA to qualify for a need-based grant, to even see if they're going to qualify for a need-based grant. So although you not may not be eligible for a federal grant, you could be eligible for an Ohio Wesleyan grant. And when they do file the FAFSA to be able to see those things, do they have to accept it? Is it, you know, I filed it, it's done, I have to take out these loans and do all these things? Absolutely not. So um, we always give the student the option to accept or decline their uh, loans and federal work study. Because there might be a student that comes to campus and said, well, I'm going to be participating in a sport. I don't think I'm going to have the time to devote to a job on campus. My parents already have that covered. So they can certainly just go into the website um, and decline their federal work study or their student loans. Um, uh, their free money, of course, we automatically accept for them because it's free money. Who wouldn't want that? Right. <laughs> so you might as well file, basically. Right. <laughs> right. See what There's you get. No harm in exactly. Filing, right? We would encourage everybody to file. And another thing to mention too, um, say you if you have a, a junior that's thinking about Ohio Westland and you don't really want to complete the FAFSA, but you're trying to figure out how much is it going to cost, we have something that's called a net price calculator on our website. So you just go out to you know ou.edu, go to the financial aid section, and there's going to be a link out there uh, for the net price calculator. You can enter in all your information, and it's going to give you uh, a pretty pretty accurate uh, financial aid package uh, right from the get-go. So you kind of know uh, what you're getting into. Perfect. Um, what, one thing that comes from the FAFSA too, when you file, and we've mentioned it a few times, is loans, um, and there's. Two different types that students get when they do the FAFSA, right? There's the uh, subsidized loans and the unsubsidized loans. We have these conversations a lot with families, but can you help to explain what the differences are between those two? Uh, easy explanation is the subsidized, the direct federal subsidized loan is where the interest is deferred while the student is in school, or at least in half-time status. Uh, the unsubsidized is where the interest accrues while the student is in school. And we always try to tell folks, if you can, try to make interest-only payments. What happens is, is once that loan hits your account, uh, we send the student uh, an email saying, hey, this loan hit your account, and you have the option to cancel. With that email, that pretty much means it's hit your account. If you don't tell us that you, you do not want it, it then becomes booked. Um, they will receive information from the loan servicer as to who's servicing their loan. They can certainly reach out to that um, company and start making interest-only payments. That way, you know, the interest doesn't just keep compounding on top of itself. Me, on the other, other hand, when I was in school, you know, I had to take out the unsubsidized loan and the interest does accrue. 
you know, but you know, that's just an option for families. And a good point about that is you don't have to accept the unsubsidized, like you said, you had to take it and many students do, but if you want to decline one of the loans, the good one to decline is the unsubsidized. You know, some students think they have to take them both and you don't, you could accept, they're broken out on the award letter as subsidized and unsubsidized. So you could accept, you know, one or the other, which you would want to accept the subsidized and decline the unsubsidized. And when I was in college, the first two years that I was there, I only took the subsidized out. I tried to stay away from the unsubsidized as much as I possibly could, but it's hard. It's hard. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So you say it's hard to not take out those unsubsidized, or... Yeah, the the unsubsidized, unsubsidized, yeah. Right. It's yeah. hard to not take out those unsubsidized loans. And so when you're talking with families, what are their other loan options besides the subsidized and unsubsidized when they're thinking about payment options for college? Well, there's the uh, Parent PLUS loan that's going to be in the parent's name. There's also a private student loan. The student applies for that. Um, but they pretty much need uh, a cosigner, so the parents will have to cosign. And depending on the parent's credit history, um, that's how the interest rate is calculated. So if you have really good credit, uh, or the parents have really good credit, then the lower the interest rate can be. So there's a possibility that they could take out a private loan that has a better interest rate than the Parent PLUS loan, which is at 7 point something percent interest. But it doesn't have to be the parent who co-signs for the student. Could be a relative or just friend of the family. Or we have some students whose parents aren't willing to co-sign, let's say, for a student loan. So they'll have somebody else just with good credit co-sign for the private student loan. So you can have someone besides a family member co-sign. That's true. Do you all have specific loan companies or loan servicers that you suggest to students when they're taking out private loans? Or is that something they find on their own? It's really up to them because I know we do have a list on our website. Um, they can certainly use that list for the private student loans. However, we do um, certify loans from different credit unions across the United States. So they don't necessarily have to use our list. They can certainly go, and we always tell families, it's like, so if you have a bank where they offer a student loan, go through them and we will go through the process and certify that loan. Yeah, and a lot of times their bank or credit union could be a lot better than what's listed online. That is true. So explore your options is what you're telling us is kind right. of what it sounds like. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, try to go with the best option that fits your financial situation. You know, a Parent PLUS loan might be a better option than, say, a, a private student loan. And I always like to tell families that you can break it up. You know, we also offer a five-month and a 10-month payment plan. You know, they can break it up over the semester and pay some of it in cash. But when families think about that, they think, oh, I can't, you know, take this cost and, you know, pay it all in cash. You don't have to. You can take part of what you owe and put some of it in a monthly payment plan and some of it in a student loan. You know, you can break it up that way. So you don't have to put the whole burden in a student loan or parent loan. Maybe you want to make part of it in monthly payments through the Bursar's office and then put part of it on a loan. Yeah, that comes up a lot of times when we're counseling students when they come into the financial aid office before they even made their enrollment deposit. We'll print off the award letter and we'll just try to break it down with them. Right. Or even at some of the visit programs, you know, we set up a, a desk and right. we'll meet with families that have questions. You know, we'll you know create an Excel spreadsheet for them, and we'll say, oh, hey, these are our costs. This is what you're going to be billed. This is your financial aid. Okay, let's work with these numbers. You know, how can we chunk this balance down to a, a more manageable amount for you? So you you sit down with the families, and 
guide them through that process. They're not just right. figuring it out on their own kind right. of a thing. Right. Exactly. We've made a real effort the last couple years to at the visit programs, like Kevin said, there's an award letter that's printed off and they have a check mark to stop at our station and we go through the letter with them and make sure if there's any missing documents they owe us. Some students are selected for the FAFSA verification process, which means they need to submit some documents to us, maybe some tax returns and things like that. So we make sure that they know what documents we're going to need and explain anything that they need to know. So I think that's been helpful in those visit programs. And now, a short break for this week's Rock Solid Advice from Ohio Wesleyan's 16th president, Rock Jones. When you invest in an education at Ohio Wesleyan, you are investing in your future. You are investing in the life that you will live. You are investing in your ability to think. You are investing in your ability to work well with other people. You are investing in your ability to be flexible and nimble in a world that will change dramatically over the course of your lifetime. You are investing in your ability to be competitive as an employee in a rapidly changing world where you have acquired not just the skills of a trade, but the ability to think and the ability to lead. When you invest in an Ohio Wesleyan education, you invest in your future. I think about my own college experience. I borrowed some money to go to college. And when I graduated from college, I had never owned a car. I needed a car. I borrowed some money for an inexpensive new car, about the same amount of money that I borrowed for my college education. My college degree has me where I am today. That new car has been gone for 38 years. I would not trade anything for the investment that I made in my college education. And now, back to Bishop Banter. You've both mentioned it now is that award letter. So the, the physical you know, piece of paper that gives them everything and breaks all the dollar amounts and things down. Um, you know, what, what should a family look for on that award letter and what should they really pay attention to? Pretty much all. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff on there. A, I, yeah, that's the thing is like all award letters, I mean, they're different from one school to the next. And when we developed our award letter, we tried to be as transparent as possible. Right. You know, that's the one thing. My biggest gripe is there's maybe a school down the road that automatically puts in the plus loan. And they say, hey, they have a zero balance. I'm sorry, no. That, there's a loan that's part of that, you know, right. that balance that's on there. Right. But what we do is we break everything out. Um, this is all your free money. These, this is all your grants down, down below. This is your self-help. So self-help would be your loans and your work study. Mm -hmm. And then we give you an estimated balance. We do subtract out of well, we basically add in the work study into that balance because the students have the option. If they get a job on campus, it's not going to go right towards their, their balance. You know, they're going to potentially take those earnings, go buy pizza, whatever, books, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, important things. Um, <laughs> pizza and books, always yeah. really yeah. important. Yeah. In my eyes, yes. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Anyways, um, the, the award letter tries to be as transparent as possible for the families. And even on the back side of the award letter, we kind of go over some terms and things like that of the award letter. And then we have um, messages that flowed in that correspond with the funds that the students actually awarded. So we try to be as clear and concise as possible so that these families can make a decision based on that information. And if they have any questions, you know, we put on there, you know, please contact the financial aid office. Uh, you know, because sometimes, you know, they receive a financial aid award uh, letter that they 
may think is not as maybe it's not accurate or whatnot. They can certainly uh, you know give us a call and you know talk to us and see exactly what's going on. Um, sometimes you know they make uh, changes to the FAFSA where we have to right. repackage and mm -hmm. you know maybe they didn't get that second award letter just yet. You know, right. um, so we always tell families reach out to us because that's what we're here for to help students you know get through this cumbersome process. And so we talk about submitting your FAFSA and the support that's offered, and I think we've really focused on what are the resources and opportunities your first year, and thinking about what the financial process looks like that first year in college. What does that look like for sophomores, juniors, and seniors as they think about paying for college for four years, not just that first year of paying for college? Well, the one thing, I mean, they have to do the FAFSA again. Um, so we have to make sure that nothing has dramatically changed. If nothing has dramatically changed, then they're going to continue to receive that merit scholarship for the four years that they're enrolled here, okay, as long as they meet the academic requirements, all right? Um, same thing as the O-Need-Based grant and any federal and state funding. Um, they'll still continue to receive that. Now, the one thing that does change that's a part of the financial aid package would be the student loans. So. The maximum that we can award a freshman is $5,500 in subsidized and unsubsidized loan. It goes to $6,500 for their second year, $7,500 for their junior and senior year. So that's one component that's going to increase over the four years. And of course, tuition and possibly room and board charges may fluctuate from uh, one year to the next. In, in the six years that I've been here, I've seen it go up from two to three percent so they've been minimal increases and with the increase in the student loan from one year to the next that kind of helps offset some of those increased Cost, yeah. costs mm -hmm. so with everything we've talked about so far and just the way uh, college is right now and, and most people know this is that it, it's not always easy to pay for college and it's hard and you know there's this big sticker shock when people go to visit schools and they see these numbers and things how do you have that conversation with families to settle nerves, to talk deeper about it? I'm sure the award letter is a piece of that just to be able to see it all, but you know, how do you, how do you have that conversation with a family? I always talk to people like what kind of investment it is. Like, you know, this is the best investment you're ever going to make. I mean, you know, the average what the average loans are these days compared to the cost of a car is actually what I do use. So, when you buy an average car these days, you know, what is it going to cost versus your education? and how fast is that car going to depreciate versus your education, which is going to last you a lifetime. So we talk about things like that, and then we explain all the different options, like Kevin talked about the PLUS loan, the student loan, the you know payment plan. There's, there's several different ways you can attack it. Sometimes grandpa wants to chip in a little bit, or grandma. So work-study, you know, work-study can easily take off $1,000 per semester. So there's lots of ways to go through it with them. I think once they sit down and we start talking about it, that takes some of the fear out of looking at that initial letter and being like, oh my gosh. So Yeah, and then if they're strictly looking at it from a number standpoint, you know, we can always sit down with the student and say, you know, if you're going to borrow X amount of dollars over time, this is what your monthly payment is going to be. You know, is that doable? You know, uh, and that could consist of all those student loans, but and then also Parent PLUS loans. There's a lot of loan calculators out there that folks can kind of, you know, tear into and, and take a look at and see, like, what their payments are going to be. And remember, it's over 10 years. And there's also, you know, I also tell them, like, well, what are you going to go into? You know, um, there is loan forgiveness as well. It depends on what particular field that you're going to go into as well. You know, are you going to be a teacher? You know, they do have um, loan public service loan forgiveness programs that are out there. And, and they can certainly right. Google search that and, and look into that. 
income based repayment plans based on the income that you make. So, you know, they're not going to expect you to pay $800 a month if your income's, you know, whatever, $200 a month or $2,000. So, they're pretty good about formulating plans, you know, for your income. Yeah. Not as many folks are saving for college as they have in the past, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, a lot of times they come in and like, well, you know, we don't really want to borrow. And I'm like, well, that's fine. What are your other options? Because this is what you have in mm -hmm. grant funds that we're offering you. Mm -hmm. you. You may have to take out some loans over time. And I know loans is a dirty word, but it's part of everyone's financial aid package pretty much. Yeah. And the federal government is trying to be more transparent about that. Um, I attended a conference not too long ago when they get on the website now to complete their online entrance counseling and master promissory note. They're going to be usually that was just required their freshman year, and that was good for all four years. They could just keep accepting loan after loan after loan each year. Now each year they're going to be required to complete a counseling course in loans, and it's going to show them exactly how much they borrowed, what that owes, what that means with interest. So they're going in wide open each year onto what their total amount of debt is. Um, there were several students graduating nationwide, you know, at the end of their senior year, not realizing what they had borrowed, what the interest accrued was, what it meant, what the terminology was. So the Department of Ed has instituted this new program, which should help them see exactly where they're at with their loans. So that's good. I think that's really helpful for students yeah. to know exactly what that big picture is going to yeah. look like yeah. when you're paying for college. I also know a lot of students are like, mom and dad are going to handle the, if, if you're fortunate enough to have that, I think that that's a big step for a lot of students is to take agency and to be a part of that conversation in financial aid and your education. It's not just, well, mom and dad are going to talk to financial aid, but how can students be invested and engaged in that conversation as well? And what paying for college looks like. Well, and the other part of that is when mom and dad handle the financial aid, a lot of times they'll go on and accept the student loans for the student and the student doesn't know that they have direct loans to pay back. They didn't in the past. Which they're not supposed to do. Right. So <laughs> it's illegal. So parents need to let their students accept their own loan. But yes, parents shouldn't be completing it and we know that they do, but there's no way for us to get around that again mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. I think one thing is is we are trying to be as honest and transparent with it as we can uh, to help them have these conversations because we don't want to shy away from them we want them to understand what they're investing in what they're doing and what the numbers are um, so that way they know exactly what you're saying that they don't get yeah, through the four years and, and don't know what's going on and what's interesting to me is I think we're seeing a lot more first gen students come through over the last few years that really need the assistance and then there's other students like we talked about that are on the other end where their parents want to do the work for them so everyone needs to be responsible for themselves and do their own stuff so that they can take ownership of it and really know where they stand with the numbers because it's their numbers right that right. they're signing up for that they're going to end up paying for over the next 10 years so mm -hmm. the student really needs to take that step and i appreciate the students that swing by the financial aid office and ask us those questions right. that are engaged in the process right. and we sit down with them and we'll bend over backwards for those students that come in and lay it all out on you know for them you know we had one right. student that, that came in they went to you, I don't know if you remember the kid, but he also came to me because he wanted the cost breakdown of all these loans and everything. I can't remember what he was. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, but we'll bend over backwards. We will. 
the both of us. <laughs> <laughs> the same student. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. It's okay. So, yeah. We'll help. We'll, we'll do anything we can. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, this was all really, really helpful information. Good. I think it will really just allow people to understand what the process is. Um, so to finish this up, what is one what is one piece of advice you would each give to a family, a student going through the financial aid process? What would you just want them to know? What I always tell families, um, and this is coming from me as a parent going to my my son's school sitting down with other parents and they ask me that exact same question I say do the FAFSA early as early as you can because they turn it on October 1st um, it uses prior prior year tax information so you've already have your taxes done from that tax year use the IRS data retrieval process because that's easy right try to make this process as easy as possible Send that to all the schools that your son or daughter is thinking about applying to. And then reach out to the financial aid office and ask them whatever questions that you have. And work with the financial aid staff on you know, building that financial aid package. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Start early. Uh, file a FAFSA early. Make sure you attend a visit program where you know, a lot of the visit programs, all of them, they can meet with a financial aid advisor. Um, we can explain a lot of the process at that time, so it's good. Yeah, they meet with us and get to know us early. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Thanks again for talking with us. Um, I really, I, I think that it'll help students really understand the process and going through everything. Um, so yeah, thanks again for helping us through this. Everyone listening, go walk up to the financial aid office. They're on the second floor of Slocum Hall um, and will still be on the second floor of Slocum Hall, I believe. Um, but uh, come see them, ask questions, dive into the process, and uh, Amy, Kevin, we'll see you around campus. All right, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And um, folks can certainly email us at the financial aid at OW u.edu if you have any um, specific questions we're here to help you out yeah. give us a call thanks everyone for listening tune in next time for some more bishop banter and make sure to check us out at OU admission on instagram and twitter and find us wherever you listen to your podcasts see you next time